Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, Hurricane Maria brought more media attention and conversations about Puerto Rico, but not with Puerto Ricans. And if anything, it emphasized how much the U.S. territory is misunderstood by U.S. mainlanders. We'll talk with producers of the podcast La Brega, which roughly translates to surviving in the struggle, about centering Puerto Ricans in the current challenges they face. Then, the next installment of the literary series Donde Esta Mi Gente will feature the voices of Afro-Latinx writers. We learn more next on Forum, after this news. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. A new podcast series, La Brega, explores the often misunderstood relationship between the U.S. mainland and Puerto Rico with its more than three million U.S. citizens who don't have a vote in the House, cannot vote for president, but can vote in primaries. The podcast takes its title from a word that has many meanings to residents of the island. And here to tell us more is Alana Casanova Burgess, host and producer for La Brega, stories of the Puerto Rican experience at WNYC Studios. Alana Casanova Burgess, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Also with us is Julio Ricardo Varela, co-host of Futuro Media's In the Thick podcast and founder of Latino Rebels. He's also a contributor to La Brega. Thanks so much for joining us, Julio. So excited to be on. Thank you. So, Alana Casanova-Burgess, I want to start with you. As I mentioned in the intro, La Brega translates roughly to the struggle, but it means a lot more than that, clearly. Can you tell us what it means to you and why you chose it as the title? Well, it, it's this very particular word, as you mentioned, it has so many different meanings. I think we refer to it in the series as the onion of Puerto Rican words, because it's got <laughs> some layers. Um, and it's, um, it's a word that exists in Spanish, but in Puerto Rico, we use it to say, oh, like I'm struggling with something, I'm in the struggle, I'm in the hustle, something like that. But it also depends on your inflection, right? So if someone says, oh, how are you doing? You might say like, oh, aquí en la brega, um, which sort of means, you know, I don't really want to talk about it. I'm not doing well. I'm not doing poorly. I'm just kind of surviving. I'm trying to negotiate just the difficulties of life. And I'm just giving you this shorthand answer in la brega. So, mm. 
you know, every every story in human history, right, worth telling <laughs> is <laughs> is some kind of brega, is some <laughs> kind of struggle that someone needs to to get over. But we have this very particular meaning to it in Puerto Rico because there are so many things out of our control, right? There are so many creative ways that we have tried to get around obstacles mm. or or hustle, right? And in the first episode, we sort of question whether this word, you know, we, we also celebrate our capacity for cre finding creative solutions, which is great, and how, you know, we rise to different challenges. But the fact that we do this so often is perhaps <laughs> something to interrogate, right? And sometimes you cannot be in La Brega all the time. Sometimes there are simply hmm, challenges yeah. that you can't, you know, negotiate a creative way around. Yes, it reminds me of being celebrated and glorified for something that can also in some ways keep you trapped. It was making me think about yeah. how in Asian culture too, Julio, that I think, you know, there's a lot of celebration about the ability to hold in great trauma and sadness, <laughs> but there is a yeah. downside to repressing those emotions that I think we're we're grappling with now. Yeah, no, I, I think it's... Um... I'm really glad you, you brought up the connections because one of the things about the series is it is universal. It's not just a series about Puerto Rico. It is about um, sort of this sense of the struggle and, you know, <laughs> you know, and let's be real, you know, Puerto Rico is a colony. So when you start bringing things like colonialism and then you think about history and, and how people have been sort of misrepresented or, or oppressed and, and it doesn't surprise me that you said that, right. That it's, you know, don't get ahead. You know, my, my wife is like, you know, Boston Irish and she's like, you can never get too ahead of yourself. Like when things are good, something bad's going to happen. I'm like, seriously, like, you know what I mean? It's like this eternal oh. push and pull of humanity where, where I think the series, you know, obviously with Alana leading and hosting and, and what she says, you know, creating this, um, this event, you know, Puerto Rican Avengers to try to <laughs> look at the misrepresentation about how Puerto Ricans are viewed in media. And, and it was, it was very, you know, clear eyes open into all this. Like we were going to yeah. go into this and not make this a, a cultural celebration. You know, sometimes I even think we commodify our own backgrounds, right? And all of a sudden we become a, a, a marketing piece, um, whether it's, you know, mm -hmm. Latinos, Asians, or wherever. And and what I love about Alana is kind of leading the way as hosts and producers to say, like, no, we're going to face this up front. And so, so these stories are very, um, they'll make you laugh. You'll cry a little bit. You'll feel pride. You'll get angry. Um, they're incredibly human stories. And they just happen to be Puerto Rican stories that, to be honest with you, just don't have the platforms to, to kind of be amplified. So we're really proud that we were able to, to kind of be part of this effort at Futuro Media to amplify these stories because they're really great. Yeah, you're raising a lot of really interesting points, Julio. But Alana, one of the things that Julio is saying that uh, really reminds me of a story you told when he mentions um, when something good happens, don't get ahead of yourself because you tell the story of a water delivery truck, like finally water is being delivered to a place that really needs it. 
And then something really terrible happens, which really feels like it encapsulates Puerto Rico in a lot of ways for you or, or La Brega maybe, but can you tell that story? Yeah. Oh, gosh. So when we were thinking about how to explain what La Brega means to non-Puerto Ricans, one of the, I mean, you can really feel the kind of hustle and struggle in the infrastructure on the island. And one of the things that I always notice is how there are all these potholes everywhere. And the <laughs> pothole situation is just, I mean, I'm laughing because you have to laugh in order to not cry. But you know, we sometimes say that it's like the the surface of the moon, right? There's so many craters on the roads. And there was this video I saw a few months ago as we were as I was sort of thinking, starting to think about how to describe what La Brega means in everyday life. And it was this video of this massive water truck, and it was sort of teetering on its edge. It had been swallowed basically by this enormous pothole that had opened up and it turned, and this was in, I think it was in Caguas, Puerto Rico. And this video at first I thought was, could not be real. Like how could a water, how could a hole exist that was so large that it would capture an an entire water truck? And what had happened is that this community um, didn't have water because there had been a water main break. And so all this water was like rushing into this, um, this pothole. And then along comes the water truck to deliver drinking water to this community. And then it gets stuck in the pothole. And then the water in the truck is getting let out so that they could lift the truck out of the pothole. So the whole thing is just this, you know, snake eating itself of like infrastructure tragedy (laughs) in Puerto Rico, which seems, you know, it seems silly, but really what you're thinking about is this is what austerity policy is. This is what happens when an island is bankrupt. Um, You don't have money to repair the water pipes. You don't have money to keep the roads safe um, for vehicles. And this is what people live with all the time. And it just seems like this way of, of describing what it's like to drive around sometimes. And really the brega in that episode is that there's this guy, Cheo Santiago, who runs a social media platform called Adopta Un Hoyo, which means adopt a pothole. And what he's been doing for the last Brilliant. decade or so is um, is painting the, the rim, the perimeter of potholes, mm. sort of indicating to people who are driving, hey, be careful, here's some white paint you know, on the road because it's not gonna get fixed in a timely way. Um, but what's important is that we avoid it, that we, we esquivar los hoyos, so you sort of drive around them, you dodge them. And so that's the brega, right? That's the creative hustle, the struggle around it um, to also try to attract attention from road crews to fix it. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. a long answer. <laughs> but it's so perfect because I think it really also shows why you asked that important question of mm-hmm. how unfair it is that we have to mm-hmm. always be in La Brega, basically, that we have to make do with the injustices that create the circumstances, right, just to be able to get by. And and so uh, I was really intrigued by this way, Alana Casanova Burgess, where I think you kind of bravely take something that people celebrate, glor- uh, glorify to some extent, and also find really beautiful about Puerto Ricans, which is that they do grapple and they do survive, but also ask the question of, but why do we always have to? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, I think Julio and I, we both love his episode about this 
this basketball team win that mm. that Puerto Rico had in 2004 because it was also there's a brega in that episode which I don't think we want to give it away maybe but um, but it was this way that the team used their disadvantage to their advantage right, right. Um, and I, I urge everybody to go listen to it because it's a really fun cinematic they listen. found a pothole let's just say that <laughs> and, and and it had it involved Americans so when you have you know Puerto Ricans and Americans and you know that whole complicated history that um, to be honest with you is still not fully understood by most Americans in the United States you know that you know we're just American citizens um, when you listen to the basketball episode and, and it's specifically um, the, the Puerto Rican Olymp- Olympic basketball team against one of the dream team versions um, in the you know in 2004 that it is it's exactly you know why did we you know why why was there a decision to tell the pothole story at the beginning of the series because in essence like you that's that goes through the entire every of the episodes finds that pothole and just kind of runs with it and then puts a really true Puerto Rican spin on it because this is the other thing that was just so important for this storytelling is that it's Puerto Rican voices from the diaspora and Mm. from Puerto Rico um, who were in primary, you know, it was a (laughs) pretty much almost all Puerto Rican team. And that's another big reason why, you know, Alana and I, when we check in post, you know, when we're doing all these interviews, it shows. It shows in how you tell the story. It shows in the words that you choose and and in the people you interview. So there's so many layers to La Brega that speak to representation as well, where we're also kind of practicing what we preach. It's not, we're not just going to talk about Puerto Rico because it's kind of, the, you know, there was a hurricane and everyone's interested. No, we're going to talk about Puerto Rico on our terms. We're not going to ask for permission. And we're going to have these platforms where we're going to tell our stories. And guess what? People are listening. So we're super excited. Yeah, that Puerto Rican basketball team story had a little bit of absolutely everything. We're talking with Julio Ricardo Varela, co-host of Futuro Medios in the Thick podcast and founder of Latino Rebels and a contributor to La Brega, which is hosted and produced by Alana Casanova Burgess. It's called La Brega Stories of the Puerto Rican Experience from WNYC Studios. We'll talk with them more after the break. Here's a little bit of the theme music. More forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about La Brega, a podcast series about Puerto Rico's challenges with Alana Casanova Burgess, host and producer for La Brega, and also Julio Ricardo Barrella of Futuro Media and also founder of Latino Rebels. And we're talking with you, our listeners. Do you have a connection to Puerto Rico? What challenges facing Puerto Rico do you care about most and want to bring up? Also, as you were hearing us discuss what La Brega means, what is your brega or struggle in your life that you think relates or 
what does it make you think of? Give us a call, 866-733-6786. Again, that number, 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or email us forum at kqed.org. And Wallace writes, I love Puerto Rico, the land, the people, and the food, of course. Am I wrong to want Puerto Rico to become a state? Do you think the political corruption in Puerto Rico is greater than on the mainland? I wish the people of Puerto Rico the best after so many setbacks. Alana Casanova Burgess, can you talk about uh, this conversation about Puerto Rico becoming a state and why actually it's been frustrating for so many Puerto Ricans? Yeah, I, you know, to answer the question, I think it's really important that it not be that the conversation about status for Puerto Rico be on the terms that Puerto Ricans want to have it mm. on. So, you know, I think that this was partly what La Brega was trying to do, what we were trying to do when we were thinking about the stories that we wanted to tell. Um, after Hurricane Maria, there were discussions about you know, disaster recovery about, you know, Trump withholding aid or whether the Democrats were pushing hard enough or what the Republicans were saying. And very little of that discussion was about how Puerto Ricans were doing and what they were doing in order to survive. And I think in the same way, a lot of times, and, you know, Julio has been covering this for years and years, in a lot of ways, there's this discussion often in the States about how, um, you know, what what people would like Puerto Rico to add (laughs) to the union um, without Mm. really considering what it is that Puerto Ricans want and, you know, and listening carefully to how that discussion is being had on the island. For example, there's this self-determination bill that's being considered right now, which would basically set up um, a system, a, a, a commission to answer a lot of the questions that Puerto Ricans have had for decades. You know, what would it mean for citizenship? What would it mean um, for language? What would it mean for taxes? What would it mean for travel for one of these status options to be considered? And that that's very different from just having like a yes or no vote on statehood because um, it would give people more information. So I don't know if Julio wants to jump in, but that's yeah, sort of yeah. my, Please? my yeah. top line view on Yeah, it. no, I, I, and I think... To go back to La Brega, if, for for the the listener who brought in that comment, I think it's really important to listen to um, the one called "The End of the Promises," which gets into the history of Puerto Rico's political status and how that is being reexamined in a post Hurricane Maria world. So, I've been covering this topic specifically as a journalist uh, since like two thousand and eight. In English, because I saw a lot of information that was in Spanish that wasn't really getting to the um, sort of the U.S. public. So I just started blogging and saying, you know what, this matters to me. I'm Puerto Rican and this information needs to be in English. And what I've seen over the years, um, and especially in the, you know, there's always been interest, but there's been a misunderstanding. But in a post-Hurricane Maria world where you start hearing Puerto Ricans are Americans like us. Right. It's, it sounds good. Right. It sounds good when you feel, you know, because I think it's the right intention of of Americans that, you, you know, see Hurricane Maria and see that destruction and, and how it literally gutted an island. Mm-hmm. And so there's this sense of, yes, we want to help, which I don't want to um, sort of minimize that because 
<laughs> there was a lot of people in the United States who didn't even know that Puerto Ricans were Americans before Hurricane Maria. <laughs> but, you know, there is a poll. There's a poll there. So so it's really important. But I think there's too much of that now. It's too easy of, uh, well, Puerto Ricans are Americans like us. Mm. And and that and that to me is. No, because you don't understand the relationship. You don't understand this history of displacement. I mean, Alana's um, episode on Levittown, yeah, you know, talks about it, it's a universal theme of displacement, of migration, of you know, even though we were quote unquote Americans, there was a government policy instituted by the governor of Puerto government, the government of Puerto Rico, and the federal government to literally export Puerto Ricans to go and work in places in the United States. That's why you have Puerto Rican populations, not only in New York and Chicago, but places like Springfield, Massachusetts, Holyoke, Massachusetts, Hartford, Connecticut, all the mill towns in New England. You know, I'm calling you from Boston, so I know that. You know, I see Puerto Rican flags in Holyoke, Massachusetts. I see Puerto Rican license plates in Holyoke, Massachusetts in the West when, I, when I've gone out there. So, so the point of all this is being is that if you're going to under if you really want to care about the status issue for Puerto Rico, understand its history with the United States. Um, it's yeah. too easy. It's too easy to say, oh, we're a state. Um, and, and, you know, it really gets the statehood proponents who have kind of perpetuated the status debate for years um, really upset when I say this. But when you're a colony and you base political parties on colonial terror, you know, a colonial like status questions, you have this sort of debate that has really gone nowhere. And that's why episode seven, uh, the end of the promises begins to unpack that. And, and I'll, I will, I will share this one production story um, that Alana felt really strongly about. And I'm glad she did because it would have been too easy to do an episode about like, will Puerto Rico become a state? That's not a La Vega story. And I was one who was like, oh, we should do that. We should look at the statehood movement. And Alana was like, no, no, no. We got to look at this deeper and let's look at It's exactly what you just said, Alana. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Avenger, fellow Avenger. Let's oh, do you, that you instead. You give me too much credit. <laughs> no, but it's true. It's true. You, you, but you know what I'm saying? You, you kind of like by, by reframing the status issue. And I cover Puerto Rico and status. I mean, I, when I state, you know, but you're the first person to say like, that's not the question to ask. And I, as a journalist, I'm like, you're absolutely right. And I'm glad that we explored it differently in the series, because in the end, I'm, I'm actually happy that the question is being asked by Americans, because that wasn't a question. You know what 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 this listener just wrote just was like, hey, yeah, I want this. You know, like, I'm glad that you're bringing it up. But now it's time to get to the complexities of it and begin to truly understand that relationship between the Puerto Rico and the United States. And if La Brega begins to give you just a little bit of more knowledge, then we've done our job. Well, the other thing too, Alana, when Julio was talking about the production part of it and how thoughtful you were, I mean, it cannot be understated that you have this in two languages. You have a Spanish version and an English version of each of your podcast programs. And that really isn't easy to do. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you were hoping to achieve with that? And also, I was really curious which one you you do first. Oh, well, it actually depended on 
the comfort level of the reporter producer who was working on a particular episode. It is an anthology. So we actually, we commissioned pieces from different Boricua journalists on the island and also in the diaspora. And so it actually depended on how their brains were working and how comfortable they were in one particular language or the other. Um, but we were also very careful when we were interviewing people. So we did some interviews um, first in Spanish, obviously, because that's a language that most people in Puerto Rico are com more comfortable with. And then we would go back and um, and get similar tape or do you know part of the interview again in English. So they actually are quite different as episodes. And what we were trying to do there was be more inclusive. You know, this is a project. The way that we were thinking about it is that it would be primarily for Puerto Ricans by Puerto Ricans. And to be honest with you, you know, we when we were first conceiving of this, we were struggling a bit with the language question and eventually just the team um, decided that it wouldn't be for Puerto Ricans really if we were not being fully bilingual because we are a bilingual people. We wanted to make sure that the diaspora could listen to everything in English. We wanted to make sure that um, people who mainly speak English could listen to the entire series. And what we've been hearing is that it, you know, it really matters to hear our own accents reflected back at us in this way that's highly produced, that has original music, original scoring, um, you know, sharp writing, that all that really matters when people listen and they can hear themselves reflected back. But also, you know, uh, we have listeners in Mexico, in Colombia. <laughs> um, even yesterday, I got an email from a, from a Cuban podcaster who's been enjoying the show in Havana. So, you know, this is also a way for Latin American listeners to learn more about a place that, you know, is really in, in this hemisphere, like the last colony. Um, so, so that's sort of where the, the impulse came from. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, Leah tweets, La Brega reminds me of my home country, Israel. Our term is Hamatzav. I'm not sure I'm doing that justice and literally means the status, but is often used much like La Brega. Thanks for a great show about a part of the U.S. far too ignored. And let me hear from caller Pavan in San Francisco. Hi, Pavan. Hi, uh, this is a wonderful, wonderful show. Uh, and uh, thanks for hosting it. Um, I was struck by the stories of uh, La Brega and your your recent uh, the, the the piece that you just read out. There's a I'm a native of India and uh, it's it's a very similar uh, situation in India where uh, the, the the term is called jugad um, and it, it means very similar things. And I think it's reflective of the fact that where there is a lack of um, state capacity, the stu the citizens of the country have to take matters into their own hands and come up with creative ways to, to solve common problems. Um, the, the story of the, the potholes particularly uh, uh, was resonant because in India we do very similar things where we either paint around, citizens paint around the corners of large potholes or sticks, uh, put in sticks with flags on them just so other uh, folks wouldn't fall into them or get hurt or die or whatever. And it doesn't just, it's not just potholes, it, 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 it's, it's a whole you know, slew of different things that uh, citizens have to figure out innovative solutions for um, because there isn't enough state capacity uh, or inefficiencies in government or whatever. And so I was just struck by the commonalities <laughs> across developing countries uh, on this particular theme. Um, so oh yeah, so that, that was my comment. Thank you very much. I love that. Alana, that did you want to react? Oh my gosh, yes. I actually, this is not the first time I've heard about Jugad. And actually another person who's familiar yeah. with 
Kenya told me that there's a word there that's kanju, K-A-N-J-U. So there's clearly, I think that there's something about, um, as this listener is saying, this sort of colonial context where, yeah, where when the state fails you, when you're not really, where you have to like sort of scotch tape solutions together to just these basic problems, how there's actually a vocabulary for it. Thank you so much for that call. That That is, it's so, so interesting <laughs> to hear that. Pavan, thanks. Let me go to another caller, Margaret in El Sobrante. Hi, Margaret. Hi, hi. Thank you guys for taking my call. Um, I went to Puerto Rico on my honeymoon. I'm in love with Puerto Rico. And um, I wanted to go back a couple of years ago to Vieques, which is a small island off of Puerto Rico that is part of that country, part of that area. And I just never hear about the disaster that has happened in Vieques because of the U.S. government bombing and doing testing on that island during the past 20, 30 years. It's now an environmental disaster, environmentally, the fish, the plants, the people are affected by this. And I never hear about it. Hmm. Um, I wonder if you could speak to that. Uh, Alana or Julio? Uh, yeah. You can, Alana, I mean, there is, I, I will say one thing about Vieques that speaks to La Brega, you know, the biggest mobilization of the diaspora and people who lived on the island in terms of removing military testing and bombing in 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 that island it, that happened in the late 90s um in the early aughts around the time of um president um president bush and and bill clinton was vieques like that was the largest like there was a movement there there's some great books about it um great video and um but the fact that your listener brought up Vieques instantly, you know, Alana, <laughs> my eyes lit up because there is a very strong story about Vieques in La Brega, right, Alana? I mean, this is exactly what we wanted to, to have in the show. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Um, episode four is about Vieques and basically the um the as as the caller mentioned there are these horrible environmental effects from the the bombing and the the testing sites on Vieques um and the the naval the former naval base there but what that means is that there's a very high rate of cancer on that island um one of the highest in Puerto Rico and as well there was one hospital there which hurricane maria destroyed so here we are uh three years and change after that hurricane and the hospital has still not been rebuilt. Um, there's actually quite a big movement now, a solidarity movement across Puerto Rico to make sure that that hospital gets rebuilt, but also that there's just um, and fair transportation between the, the main Puerto Rican island and Vieques. Because right now, if you have, let's say, an oncology appointment, you have to wait for this ferry that has not a very reliable service um, to get to your appointment, to come back. People who work on Puerto Rico's main island or who go to school really struggle with this sort of second-class status, sort of the colony of the colony. And we have this episode that's reported by Cristina del Marquiles about this historic agreement that was supposed to get a get you know faster recovery funds and more you know build back better funds for Puerto Rico and it just didn't happen and it's sort of a look at 
post-Maria recovery through the lens of Yekis. And we do talk about the bombing. We talk about the higher yeah. cancer rates. We talk about all that stuff. Um, and so I really encourage the listener to check it out and, and for people to get read in on what's happening in Vieques because it is a, a massive injustice that just should should really make our skin crawl. Well, we're coming up mm-hmm. to the end, and I really feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't play anything from your podcast. And I do want to just play a short clip of an interview you did with Arcadio Diaz Quinones, a Puerto Rican writer and scholar, because I think it really does encapsulate um, with this question that you interrogate interrogate along, uh, around La Brega. So here it is. Arcadio has been thinking about those outraged people who went into the streets to march against the governor, Los Indignados, and what happens when people see their power. They're just looking so many young people, so many, and every day, and so vibrant. What it meant to me was that there was a deep reserve of energy and thought and moral conviction there, no? It's there, it's there, and it was such a joy to see that it's there. We can imagine a different, a different plot, a different ending, no? Yeah. That doesn't mean we will succeed, but we can imagine, in spite of the harshness of the real. That's La Brega, colectiva and uh, individual, too. For Arcadio, that's part of La Brega, imagining a better reality, together. And that's Alana Casanova, Burgess, host and producer of La Brega, whose voice you just heard there. We're also talking with Julio Ricardo Varela of Futuro Medios, Media's In the Thick podcast and founder of Latino Rebels. Alana Casanova Burgess, congratulations on this. And I don't know if you want to leave us with any final words in the last 30 seconds or so that we have about what you're hoping this podcast does. Well, I I hope that it creates a bit more unity between the island and the diaspora, for example. We have been doing these live events, these sort of listening parties, and folks can join us this Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific, if that is of interest to anybody. Um, I can tweet out the link, but it's at tinyurl.com slash sancocho2. So we've been doing these really fun like DJ parties and we've been dancing together on Zooms. So um, it, yes. there's also a lot to celebrate. Well, please do. We'll share it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners for their questions and comments on Puerto Rico. We've got more of Forum after the break. Stay with us. We'll be talking Donde Esta Mi Gente. So stay with us for that. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
all over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.